welcome to Real Estate Power Talk, hosted by Blake Hawkins and Jessica Holcomb. And our podcast is about all things real estate, retail, investing, marketing, anything that has to do with buying or selling real estate in today's day and age. And we share it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but mostly just our successes. This is a shortcut, folks. This is it. And today we're talking about the market shifting. Very scary stuff, people. It's shifting. It's moving. Uh Uh-oh. It's ever-changing. Things are moving. Things are grooving. People are talking. People are concerned. People are excited. And some people are going to make a lot of money anyways. Oh, come on, man. That's going to be me. Me too. Ditto. <laughs> Hashtag ditto. Let's do I remember it. when I got into the market, we were in a downward shift because it was 2008 and we had a hurricane. We had NASA leave our area, plus the whole entire country was in a recession. Mm. And so hardly anyone was selling anything. Listings would sit for 365 days mm. or more. And our sellers would call us and they would be like, what are you doing? When are you going to sell our house? What's happening? Like, what are... Ain't no buyers, mine. Why can't we sell our house? Where are the buyers at? You know, and it was a, it was a stressful time. Um, it was interesting. Buyers got really good deals. You yeah. know, we could negotiate amazing deals for our buyers, but for our sellers, it was a little bit stressful. And so over the last few years, it's been a seller's market, you know, and every seller has been very lucky. Some of them have gotten, you know, over ask offers, people fighting over their houses, multiple offers, everything else. You know, and so um, it's just interesting to see the market shift a little bit. You know, Um, listings are sitting a little bit longer. You know, buyers are waiting and hesitating, and they're kind of like, "Hey, you know, we're not ready yet. You know, we're waiting on this. We're waiting on that. You know." So, what do you do? Well, for me, I I buy more houses. (laughs) There's more opportunity for me. And what I do, and you know, look, this episode is going to be awesome because we're going to touch base on this market shift. We're going to touch base on on some other awesome, cool topics. But I mean, for me, I, with my line of business, I have you know, I have not experienced you know that situation as you did. But from what I hear talking to other experts in my position, you just buy more houses, more opportunities are generated. Because now what we go to a buyer's market, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that it's a that, perfect time to buy. It, you get better deals, and I'm always looking for good deals. So I, I mean, if I can find good deals in a seller's market, man, you know, I should be able to get really good deals when it shifts. But listen, I think some of it is a little, you know, psychologically, people get a little freaked out. Things are always going to be moving and shaking and changing, and and all that. You well, know? the beautiful thing about Texas is it's our market has never been very erratic. There's no like, you know, oh, the values jump $100,000 in in three months, like California, and then crash down again. You know, like we're just slow and steady. Yeah. 3% increase, you know, a year. So there's not, we don't have that same craziness going on, I don't think, you know. Um, And, you know, Houston, our market is actually pretty protected because Houston is such a diverse city. Yes. So we've got a lot of different big um, 
companies that are bringing in workers and they need housing, you know, so, and people are relocating in and out all the time. So it's kind of just, we're a little bit buffered, I think. Yeah. Um, So if you're listening and you're thinking about buying and you're like, oh, I don't know if it's the right time, it's definitely the right time to buy. For (laughs) sure. sure. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Because you can get some pretty good deals. Yeah, and, and and I'm always looking for good deals. Got one today, actually, a house that's worth 180 uh, retail. You know, if it was listed, I got it for 117,500. Um, it was built in 2007, so it's in fairly good condition. So that's going to be a good deal. Going to hotel that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so that's going to be exciting, and so there's all kind of opportunities. And I, I kind of want to touch base on just getting some clarity on a few things. Kind of getting back to the basics. Okay. You know, um, yeah. So we also wanted to talk about a little bit about setting yourself up for success. So yeah. last week we talked about the end game, and you know when you start your business, you always want to have the end in mind, and like, okay, so what am I building? Where am I going? Right? Yes. So if we're talking about that, then you know where do you go from there? Once you decide what your end game is, what's your next step? Well, I think your next step is who am I talking to? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you right now, just so I be extremely clear, my intention on this podcast is to connect with the people that, that are, that are going to be, it's going to be create win-win situations for both parties. You know, like I want to be in a win-win situation at all times, whether I'm dealing with a homeowner you know, I'm dealing with a real estate agent that's actually helping me, you know, on a deal. You know, there's so many ways to connect in this business and so many awesome opportunities. Um, you know, it's just exciting because it's limitless, you yeah. know, for all the people that. So, so yeah, I mean, just setting yourself up for success. And so for me, let me, let me just touch base on, I'm going to break it down on, on what is wholesaling. Okay. You know, I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, myself and others take it for granted because you do it every day. Mm-hmm. Like what is wholesaling? And not only what is wholesaling. Well, I remember whenever I I first heard of it. You know, I'd sold I had sold hundreds of homes and I still didn't know what it meant. Right. And I even people would explain it to me and it would still I still didn't understand it. I was like, how can this even be legal? Yeah. How can you, you know, cuz you know, once you get licensed, I mean, you know, you're going through all the licensing. Yep. They kind of freak you out a little bit sure. about all the laws and the rules and the fair housing and, you know, treating everybody fairly and honestly and fiduciary responsibilities and there's just a lot of terms being thrown at you and so you're kind of like, how can somebody unlicensed take interest in a property and convey it to somebody else without mm. being the actual owner. Right. Well, you can. <laughs> you can. I know. And I do it about four to six times a month. Um, <laughs> and we're looking to grow that to 10 by March of 2020. So listen, you know, why, number one, let's, what is wholesaling? Well, wholesaling is, is uh, an assignment of contract. Okay. So it is when I meet with person A, who's a, a homeowner. I say, hey, person A, um, are you looking to sell your property? Or person A reaches out to me and says they do want to sell their property. We have, we, then we have a conversation. We have a conversation. We agree upon a price. Um, so say the price is 50000 Okay. Now, with, with that agreement, contract to that 50000 I could do a few different things with that. Um, I could buy it myself. Okay. Close on it. Um, fix it up, sell it, you know, that would be considered a flip, right? 
Um, or I could wholetail it, which is basically the same thing, but it's just when it's, it needs a little bit less work than a full flip. Um, or I can hold it as a rental property for myself, owner finance. But listen, but really, let's talk about the wholesaling. I will assign that contract to an end buyer for a fee, what they call an assignment fee. So, for example, I get the house for 50000 I assign it to person B, who's an end buyer, for 60000 Okay? So my assignment fee at closing will say uh, Freedom Hawk LLC, $10,000 assignment fee, okay? Um, now, why is that, what is that and why is that valuable? Well, it's valuable, let me give you a, 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 real, a real example. Did a deal in Santa Fe. It was one acre of land. This acre of land sells for sixty-five to 70000 retail if it was listed. Now, if it's listed, it, it, you know, the land was sitting for 120, 150, 180 days, Okay, uh, for sixty-five, seventy thousand, I reached out to the uh, the owner of the land, and we agreed upon a, a a price. And then I found a buyer, okay, a family that uh, saw value in the land, but I assigned it for less than what they would pay for retail. Okay, so they got a great deal on purchasing an acre of land. I helped the seller because it was fast. We're closing on it. August the 30th, we contracted it August the 15th, and it's a win for me. I get paid for my time in in connecting two people. So I got paid being a connector. Mm -hmm. I created a deal that was not a deal. And the reason why it's legal for all of the you licensed agents that are listening, I actually just took an update in my training class. And um, it talked about it in there, and it said, is it legal for a wholesaler to uh, convey interest in a property, you know, um, and make a fee or a commission? And it said yes. And the reason why is because they have ownership interest. Okay. You know, that's the only reason why. Makes sense. Um, But otherwise, if you're... A party acting like you're a real estate agent, you know, then that's kind of against the Texas Real Estate Commission's rules. Sure, you know, um, but that that takes us to another subject. Mm. You know, wholesalers might have to be licensed one day. <laughs> yes, and you know, the state of Illinois has passed that law. I think it's a great idea, you know. And I, I am a, I am an investor, a wholesaler. My whole business model. Is based on that, and I I am absolutely one hundred percent for wholesalers to be licensed, and for a few different reasons. Number one, I think it creates more professional accountability. Number two, I think it it, it forces you, if you're going to be in real estate, it forces you to um, to to learn about your business and your uh, your industry. Okay, it forces you to become more aware of laws. And, and things that uh, you know that could harm somebody if it's not if it's not taken into account for, um, and then number and then the last reason really it's kind of selfish, but but it's going to eliminate a lot of the riffraff that's out there because folks there's a lot of riffraff, okay, and I I'm not going to sit here and be shy about it. I don't like the riffraff. I just don't. Well, you know, I'm reading this book called um, Sell 100 Plus Homes a Year. And she's talking about how um, she could she could go on and on for hours about how she thinks that it would be a good idea to 
if, if agents had to sell a minimum amount of transactions per year to even stay active. Wow. <laughs> and like, if you think about that, you know, there's a lot of licensed agents out there that have only sold one home in their career and they're just holding it because they want to, you know, do it on the side or part time, you know? And so is that truly giving a client, you know, good service if you're only doing it part time and you're like, oh, I'm going to discount my commission and I'll give you a good deal. Is that client really getting a good deal? No. I mean, maybe, but maybe not. No, I'm going to say no. (laughs) I'm going to say no. And, And I think that's, I think that's great. I think because listen, this industry is is very important. It's vital for 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 most people in this country, and they need to be dealing with people that are educated, aware, and professional. And yes, if you're a wholesaler, you still need to be educated. You still need to be professional. Um, and so, yeah, I'm all for it, man. I, I think there's a lot of with any industry. Um, there's always going to be riffraff, and I think uh, I think wholesalers being forced to get licensed, I think is going to be a beautiful thing. And it's going to help the uh, the homeowners that are dealing with wholesalers because now they're forced to to be dealing with someone that actually um, has well interest operates in, at, operates at a good minimum standard correct in minimum standard but they actually have awareness of the industry mm-hmm. they're not they're not they're not leaving a, a KFC job and then they're going off and talking to you about selling their house. <laughs> Because I saw a YouTube video. Yeah, that's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> they their school was YouTube. Which look, <laughs> YouTube fine, but but still, when you're when you're a professional, there there still needs to be some professional accountability. So I hope that happens. I know it's going to happen. It's happened in Illinois. I'm, I know it'll happen in Texas eventually. Um, so so, what are your thoughts on an agent having to to produce a minimum standard each year to 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 retain a license? What's your thoughts on that? I and, mean, and neutral is an answer. Here's the thing. Um, you know, I I have been asked, you know, this question before. And, you know, I, I see a lot of marketing out there where people are like, I've been in the, in the license for 10 years or licensed for five years or licensed for this long. But how many homes a year did you sell? Yes. And when was the last time you sold a home? Right. It, to me, it's kind of like... That whole saying, what have you done for me lately? Correct. Have you sold a home lately? (laughs) Because today's market is different from even last quarter or last year or five years ago for sure. You know, and so if you're not staying up to date in today's standards and today's market, I don't feel that you are really giving a good fiduciary responsibility that we're required to give Agreed. to a client. Well, I mean, I think it'd be a good example. Be Say you have a financial planner, right, that has their license, all their, their financial licenses, and they tell you, hey, I've been licensed for 20 years, but they, they work at, uh, you know, Ron Carter Chevrolet, and, and they don't even practice or use it, but then all of a sudden, now they're doing their retirement accounts for you. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I'm scared now. Yeah. You know, so it's the same thing with real estate. Yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. You know, you, know? you need to be your, your mind as a professional, you need to, your mind and your focus and your awareness needs to be on your industry. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if you're off, you know, playing around with, uh, you know, KFC drum, drumsticks at night and then during the day you're talking about, you know, <laughs> trying to get someone a good deal on a house, I think, I think it's a little off, you know? <laughs> okay. I mean, it might be off, but they could be very well-versed. No, I don't agree with that. It's crazy. <laughs> okay. 
But you, so, so back to yeah. back to the end game. Yeah, end game. Okay, let's just you know today we're just kind of talking about everything. Yeah. Back to the end game. So you broke down wholesaling. Yes. You know, let me break down retail. Okay. You know, and then I think we should share how retail and wholesaling can work together. Absolutely. You know, because I think that'll be really good. Because, like I said, when I first found out about wholesaling, I was very confused. I didn't understand it either. Yes. You okay. know, I was like, what is this? Is this even legal? Yes. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, when you get your license in Texas, um, you can actually sell property, um, new construction without being licensed in this state. There are states that require you to be licensed, but not Texas. So I sold homes for 10 years without having my license, but I was employed by a home builder, right? you know, or several different ones. And then when I got my license, I was able to practice real estate, you know, and when you get your license, um, you have to hang your license with a broker. Mm-hmm. Okay. So once you get licensed, it doesn't mean that you can practice real estate. It means that you can now request to be sponsored by a broker. Yes. You know, so when you're starting your career um, and you're thinking of your end game, you know, choosing a broker is going to be a big deal. Absolutely. You know, like who am I going to go with? Who's going to take me? on the path that I want to take this, you know, that's going to work for me, mm-hmm. you know? So these are the questions that you're going to have to ask yourself. So this is, this is for a new real estate agent. Yeah. Okay. So you, I would probably strongly consider joining a team because teams are going to get you on the fast track and it's going to protect you legally because you're going to have someone looking out for your best interest and making sure that you're representing your clients properly. So okay, so that that's a good that's a good insight on that. So if I'm a new agent and I get my license, you know, you hear all these sexy discount brokerages. And I look, listen, I don't know nothing about them, but I'm just asking as a as a person, what's your if if I'm a new agent and I see all this sexy discount, you know, do would it still be more beneficial for me to join a team brokerage and why? Absolutely. Because the discount brokerages are not going to provide the support and the questions 24-7 that you're going to need as a new agent. Um, You can join all the social media groups in the world. You can pay for a mentor and a coach. But are you going to be able to afford for somebody to be able to answer questions to you at any given moment. And trust mm. me, when you're in the middle of a negotiation with a client, you're going to need an answer within five minutes okay. or 10 minutes or 30 minutes. And are you going to be able to go to your broker directly and ask him a question? Right. Are you going to be able to contact your mentor that you paid for that you only get to talk to once a week for 30 minutes, once a month or every other week or every two weeks? Right. You can't text them. Yeah. You know, and and expect them to answer you right then and then. Right. You know, so the beauty of being on a team is having that support there for you Mm. when you need it, you know? And, you know, I've had a lot of people talk to me about, you know, different companies and and what they offer. And I think that a discount brokerage is good for certain people, you know, if they're not wanting to really, um, you know, build a team or, or build a 
big career out of it and they want to do business part-time, it's it might be a great place to park your license because you're not looking to do a lot of volume. Right. Well, be, but wouldn't but my thing is is if I'm a real estate agent and I'm part-time and I just want to do say six deals a year because I'm a I'm a teacher or I'm a mechanic or I'm a welder or whatever, I work at the plants. I, I feel like I would still want to be part of a team because it makes it easier for me for sure. to do deals. Because if I'm working 60 hours at the plant, how am I going to sit there and do my negotiations? You're not going to be do able my to paperwork. give good service to your clients. Yeah, so I think sure. to me it seems like the team aspect would be beneficial for part-timers and full-timers. Well, you would be doing your clients a disservice if you did not. And I actually have some team members on my team that are amazing agents and they're so successful mm. and they have full-time other jobs, but we have a whole entire support system available to make sure our client is serviced um, with the highest care. And so our clients don't even realize it. They don't even know half the time. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with you. And, and, and uh, there's a lot of times where, you know, even today you got three or four phone calls from, from your agents, you know, dealing with negotiations, talking to people, they need input on their clients. And you're sitting there just basically mapping it out for them step by step. And then guess what? They translate that over to their client. The client's happy. Mm-hmm. The agent's more confident. Mm-hmm. And there's better service that was provided. Correct. Yes. And then I've got, you know, you've got the whole traditional brokerage model where you're an independent agent. And that is typically, I mean, think about it like, okay, I'm still a business owner. Just because you park your license at a brokerage doesn't mean the broker is responsible for building your business. Mm. You are still a small business owner for yourself, wherever you go. Okay. And so... Knowing that in the beginning, you know, that means you're responsible for searching out the training and the mentoring and the coaching and attending the classes available to you, using the systems and tools available to you. You can be given everything to you on a silver platter, but if you don't use them, your business is not going to go anywhere. You know, real estate isn't like a fairy godmother wand where they just oh, I want to sell houses, I'm licensed, and everybody's going to call you tomorrow, you know? Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, exactly, and, and and especially for me, you know, I tell some of my guys, you know, we're, we got to create deals. We're creators. Mm-hmm. We're, so as a wholesaler... Or create business. Yes, as a wholesaler, I'm, a, I'm the source of the deal. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, it's lead generation, but, I, but then I just expand upon that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and just... So I think you made some good points there. You know, if, I, if I'm a new agent... Um, if I'm a big time producer, if I'm a big time producer, if I'm a big time producer, you know, I feel like a team model would be attractive because it's just a support system. It allows me to put more focus on generating more business versus sitting there with paperwork and worrying about this, worrying about that. Well, you know, what's interesting is most 100% discount models have a transaction fee, and when you add up that transaction fee. If you are a top producer doing 100 plus deals a year, if you're, if you're, if you're doing 100 plus deals a year and your transaction fee is $295, you take 295 times 100. That's twenty nine thousand five hundred dollars. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we, so you're yeah. all in annually 
just on transactions is almost 30 grand. If you want an office space, you have to pay for that too, monthly, usually minimum a hundred something dollars, right? And then if you want to use their copy services and printing services and all of that stuff, you have to pay out of pocket because you're a small business owner still. So then you have your whole entire overhead on top of it. So to me, it's a little bit of a trickery because it makes it seem like you're going to make more money, but you're not. Wow. You know, and so for a, a brokerage like how how we have it set up, we're a team model only, right? We do have a transaction fee, and we have a desk fee. However, we cover all of the overhead, mm. so you don't have to pay for all of that on top of everything. It's all inclusive. You don't have to worry about it. All you have to do is go sell, you know. Wow. And so you're all in is handled with more of like a VIP experience. Well, well, I mean, look, I, I think I think a lot of people are seeing that. I mean, that's why I mean you you've been fielding a lot of calls recently from from, you know, you know, not going to mention any names, but some some top producing agents because they're burnt out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're on well, their own island. You know, they're they're coming to me and they're saying, you know, I just want support. I just want help. I just want to talk to somebody. I can't even get a hold of my broker. You know, I have to get on the schedule a week out and I need to answer my question right now. Yeah. They're asking me questions that they should be asking their own. Well, broker. and you know what? And you answer them, you know, so because you're, you're, you know, that's just the type of business you run. So, I mean, I just, I, outside looking in, outside perspective, it, it just, I see the value of that. You know, I think a lot of even like these, like I said, these top people, um, they don't want to be on the island by themselves. It's just not fun, you know? Well, I mean, and also it's about having good culture and good support and, you know, matching values. You know, if you are running your business and all you're doing is wanting to turn turn a dime, you know, then that's going to reflect in the agents that are drawn to you. Yeah, you know? for and sure. I've been really blessed. I have an amazing team. My agents are the best. They have the biggest hearts. They care about the clients like they're their family, you know? And that's how we feel about each other yeah. at our brokerage. Very service, very service oriented, you know? And I think it's just, you know, it's like I said, outside looking in, it's easy to see those things. Um, so yeah, so you touch based on um, the retail side. I've touched based on the wholesaling side. Now let's connect it to, you know. So I put out, um, uh, you know, I actually no no I'm, I did not put out any signs. But let's just say someone called me recently, and uh, it was an agent, and he reached out to me. Actually, I've had a few agents reach out to me recently. Um, from Facebook and other other methods, and they're they're like, you know, hey, like, how can we work together? You know, what what kind of deals you have in the pipeline? I have buyers. I know we've done deals together. Um, you know, I have buyers that are looking for rentals. I have buyers that are looking for good cash deals. Um, so let's touch base on how a wholesaler, an investor, can can uh, do a collaborative deal with a real estate agent. Okay, so. I'm going to break it down real simple for everyone because once I got this, I was like, okay, this makes sense. There's three strategies or pricing that you can go in when you're a buyer in the market, right? And you can buy retail perfectly shiny red apples on the market for retail price. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's typically the clients that we're dealing with. Sure. 
then you can buy investor prices yeah. where the investor knows that they might have to put a little bit of work into it, not to clean it up a little bit or whatever. And then they can turn it into a shiny red apple yes. for a profit. Absolutely. So that price includes the repairs that they have to make, but there's still going to be money left for them to make a profit. Absolutely. Yeah. There's going to be equity there. And then there's the prices that you get. Yes. The wholesale prices. So anytime you become a part of a club like Sam's Club or Costco Club or anywhere you go shopping, they're going to say, do you want to be on our mailing list? We're going to give you an automatic 10% off. You know, those type of clubs. You're basically the wholesaling club of yeah. real estate. So you get the best prices. I'm a pawn shop. I'm a pawn shop. He gets the best prices. I'm a real estate pawn shop. And so he finds the good deals on the market, the distressed clients that need help. He rescues them from their situation, saves their credit from foreclosure, you name it. You know, helps people get out of divorces and get a property off their hands, whatever it is. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, and, and, and there, a lot of times it is stress. But uh, but 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 sometimes it's just the simplicity of the deal. You know, this deal we did today in Cyprus, husband and wife actually want to buy a new house. Zillow called them, you know, and and, and hey man, cool man, Zillow called you. Guess what? You couldn't get the job done. I could <laughs> because Zillow wanted to have all this all this stuff that was difficult and they wanted to, you know, inspect the property and, and, you know, just, just haggle them on price. And weren't their fees higher? Their fees are extremely high. They try to make it seem like it's not. Their fees are extremely high. Guess what? I said, listen guys, here's the deal. We, you know, uh, Jessica ran, helped me with the comps. She ran comps. She said, Hey, the, the, the property's worth X amount. I told them straight up, this is how I come to my price. Per- this percentage minus repairs, it was straightforward. It was honest. It was upfront. It was in writing. Hey, they agreed upon it. We signed the papers and we're going to get this done next month. Yeah. So basically, um, for all of all of the agents that you know, this client, the client that lowballs everyone and you always lose because they want the lower end pricing under 250 which is the hottest market that there is. And you can't get them any properties at all because they are, they're just lowballing, you know? And so you would want to get, get in touch with someone like Blake, who is a wholesaler that has buyers, has properties all the time that require buyers, you know, and you're going to be able to get your client that investor price that they want. They don't want to pay retail. They don't want to pay retail at all. They don't. And, and now let's talk about how that happens, okay? So I'll give you real-life examples. I'm not a real estate agent yet. I will have my license next month. So um, but I'm just, I'm just going to speak on what I have dealt with. And what I've dealt with is, um, shout out to a few agents, Andrew Lake, Paul Cates, um, David Smith, uh, AJ Hoffman, some, some agents that I've, I've worked with and done deals with, Jessica Holcomb, who's sitting right here by me. Um, you can add a fee. Who sold the most of them? Well, you, you've sold the most. <laughs> sold the most, right? I mean, come on. But you can, as an agent, you can add a flat fee okay, for, for your services to connect the buyer to myself, or you can just do your, your traditional percentage or however you want to do it, right? So that's, there's many different ways you can do that. 
Yeah. So, and then also keep in mind that your buyer needs to be paying cash. Um, if they're going to go for financing, it can't be hard money or, or traditional money because typically they're going to have a problem with these properties because they're going to want them to have all the appliances or they're going to want all the flooring installed. And there's going to be, you know, oh, the appraiser says that the siding is broken and stuff like this. And so it's best to have somebody that has cash and can close quickly, you know, and they can get these good deals. So if you want to market to your, or build your investor um, buyer business, you want to tell your investors, hey, I have contacts that can get you investor prices where you can buy these properties for 75% of value. And you you can still make some money after you fix them up. If you're not a little, if you're not afraid of a little, you know, elbow grease work, TLC, these are the properties for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is how real estate agents and uh, investors slash wholesalers can can collaborate and work on deals. And and, and it makes it a win, win, win for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything else you want to talk about today? No, I mean, look, the, the, to, to end this podcast, look, market shift, it, does, it doesn't shift. It goes up, it goes down, goes left, it goes right. In a day, stick to the basics. Yeah. Treat people right. Be professional. Know your industry. Know your space. Um, and, 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 and then when you're thinking of your end game, you know, you got to understand what investing and wholesaling is. You got to understand what it means to start your career, picking out your brokerage, you know, stuff like that. Right. And I think next week we should touch on that again and kind of take people through the process every time we record. Let's do it. All right, guys. Well, we're so excited that you joined us and post comments below for topics you would like us to talk about and we will do it. Adios.